Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Awesome. So uh, thank you all for being here. <laughs> thank you for coming. Um, it's so great to see all of you every week. It's like definitely a big highlight of, of my week and Nathan's week to, to be here with you guys. Um, so I was really trying to think of a really good like hook. You know how Nathan would just come out with a word and everyone's like, what? And then I, yeah, so I have nothing of that, but I do want to give you a little background before we get into our text. Um, but I guess so one of you could probably come up and do the background for me because a lot of you have been here all semester, which is really great. Um, we've been going through the book of Exodus in case you're, you're just jumping in with us for the first time. Um, and it tells the story, right, of God's great rescue. So we're using this theme of God's, God rescuing his people. Um, and that's, that's why uh, I've been lab- I labeled Joseph's talk as a story of rescue, right? Because that's what we're talking about in our own lives as well. Um, and so we're discovering that this story that happened to the ancient Israelites, that happened in a specific place in time, um, actually does relate to us today, right? And it is a picture of God's greatest rescue um, of all his people from their sin, right? So we see this parallel between this historical event that happened and um, the spiritual truth about Jesus saving us from our sins. So that is a little, maybe it's a little spoiler alert, but we've talked about it a lot this semester, so I feel like you guys are on it. <laughs> um, so our first, just thinking about the big book as a whole, we're looking back and we talked about how Exodus is talking about like what God, God is saving them from something. And then how he's doing that, right? With the plagues, with the, the uh, Red Sea, right? Um, and now we're moving into, uh, what is he saving them for? It's kind of like the, okay, so what? Um, they get to the other side of the river. God's not just going to let them wander off, right? He's got a purpose for them. So um, we're going to see that what's next for the Israelites is actually a time of being in need. Just kind of, kind of interesting. Um, we see that God uses the wilderness, this desert place, this place of need, to show his people that he's actually their only provider. And he's actually way better than they thought he was going to be, or even than they knew. So we're going to walk through the passage, and I have two points, but one of them is broken up into two, so it might feel more like four points. Um, but the first one is just the Israelites' response to the hard circumstance, and then God's response to their response, right? So their response, God's response. You got it. And I hope by the end we're going to see that, like, God actually responds so abundantly to our grumbling and our complaining (laughs) uh, and our need. So first let's look at Israelites' response to their circumstances. Um, So just to set the scene, you probably probably are tracking with us here, but the ancient Israelites, they've, they've just miraculously been delivered, right? They had all these things happen to them. They were slaves for a very, very long time and cried out to God and God saved them. And the Lord has said, you are my people, and I'm better and greater than anything else and anyone else. Um, And so they just, like, sang this really great song in chapter 15, delighting in the Lord. And they had this section where they were walking through the desert right after that. And they came to an oasis, and the water was bitter. And so then they they cried out to God, and God made it sweet. So left and right, God's just doing good things for them. He's providing for them. He's saved them, all this stuff. You'd think they would be like on some sort of spiritual high. Um, so looking back at this text, uh, rereading, if you have the Bible in front of you or if you have it uh, right here, there it is. Reread their, their complaint and 
think to yourself, like, how would you describe it? You know, what's, what's kind of the tone of what they're saying? Does anyone have one word that you want to shout out? The, the tone of their complaint? Ungrateful. Ungrateful? Okay. The first one that came to my mind was dramatic. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that you guys were thinking too, but... Um, but you may also wonder, okay, what was so bad about this, though, right? Like, it's an okay event. Is it okay to say, like, God, this is terrible. I am sad. Um, you may think about times like Job. Job's calling out to God in his sadness and his, um, his grief, and he's just telling God all, this, all of what's on his heart, and there's songs of lament, and there's all this stuff in the Bible. And in RUF, we talk about how we're allowed to bring our anger to God. We're allowed to bring our hurt, right? Um, and those are all true. We want you to be fully honest with God. So, but notice here how the people aren't really taking their anger and their sadness and their fear to God, right? They're kind of, they're kind of like complaining about God. They're kind of like, Moses, like, how, how dare this happen? Um, right, they're, they're actually grumbling against, against God, even though it says they're talking to Moses Aaron, but then later Moses says, actually, you're complaining, you're, you're complaining to God. You're complaining against God. Um, and it really shows that their hunger and their fear of not being provided for in their minds was bigger, right, than their belief that God actually would meet their need. Um, and not only that, but their complaint is a little ridiculous. So first, they're looking back and they're saying, we ate meat to the full and we just sat around all day and ate our bread and, um, what does it say, sit by the meat pots. Um, is, that, is that true from what you guys remember? No, like, they were, they were literally enslaved. Like, they had to work all the time, right? They called out to the Lord for salvation. And so this is just, just not true. It's kind of wish, looking back on something that they wish might have happened. And then uh, they accused God of doing all these mighty works over the past weeks and months, like, all these things, only to kill them in the wilderness. So I guess they're either saying that God is just, like, really dumb and he doesn't know how to take care of them, or they're saying that, like, he's really cool, right? So it's like either he's not powerful or he's not good. Um, so I feel it's a little dramatic. However, lest I or we look down on these people and think we would never feel that way, um, I was just thinking about, like, my own personal desert that I have right now. It's on B's campus. Just, you know, it just really makes me so sad every time I come to campus, and I just feel very weary um, you might be able to see where I'm going with this, right? There is a coffee shop desert on this campus, guys. <laughs> Pavement is closed. It's been closed all semester. And I do not go a week without complaining about it. <laughs> I need my rosemary salt bagel. I need my, my little, what do I have, a maple latte? That one's good. Um, whether or not you think their coffee is amazing, it is a good spot on campus, right? Um, no, seriously, I think we can relate to the Israelites a little bit more than just um, pavement being closed and us not being able to go there. Um, but we, the Israelites had a real need, right? So we can, we can have some empathy for this. Um, they couldn't feed themselves, right? They're in a desolate place. Um, there were so many of them. They had probably some elderly people, maybe some people who were sick, um, lots of kids probably, um, livestock, things like that. And that's, that's a scary situation to be in. Right? You don't know where your next meal is coming from. So think about your life and the hard situations that you may be facing right now. Um, 
Maybe you feel like you're failing a class, so you're not doing as well as you wish you were. Um, maybe you feel like or you, your dream internship or your dream job has turned you down or isn't giving you a chance. Um, maybe there's some sort of relational conflict in your life or a family member is sick. Um, or you feel like the expectations placed on you at BU are just like crushing you little by little. Like I, It's crazy here. Um, whatever the circumstances that you are in right now, whether you're minimizing them and they don't, you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. We have a tendency to define our situation based on what we can see, right? Based on our perception and our experience. Um, we see what's going on and we, we just don't see any way for it to change. And so often our, my heart uh, is, is kind of hardened in this way, in the same way of like, come on God, like you didn't do anything before, you're not gonna do anything again. Um, we can't imagine what he might be doing like in these hard things. So in our own spiritual wilderness, we too find it hard to look to God instead of just complaining against God or not even think about him at all, right? Like <laughs> that's, that's, also, that's often something that I do. Um, and our outward complaining reveals an inward reality. We have set up something else as God in our hearts, right? When we don't go to God with our grief and our sadness, it means that we don't really think he's our God, that he's actually true. Um, we look for satisfaction in things other than God, right? We have a hunger, just like they did. Um, it could be literal food. You don't know. Or it could be more uh, those intangible things that I had us talk about earlier. Um, those, those things that we want in our life, like good relationships, success, uh, wisdom maybe, or... Um, admiration from others. Um, they could also be things like sex or money or comfort or pleasure. And a lot of these things, like they're really good things. Um, but we make them our God when we desire them above all else. So this leads us to forget that the God who saved us, the God who redeemed us from our sin, is the same God who promises to take care of us like a shepherd, like leading us through these valleys, through these, these wilderness um, so maybe you feel that way, maybe you don't, but uh, maybe you have before, and I'm pretty sure you will again, <laughs> that maybe you're just not thinking about God or you think he's not thinking about you because um, your circumstances are just so hard and just kind of clouding everything. But I wonder how might our, our hearts change and how, God, how might God work, right, if our first response to these situations of, of actual fear or grief or just confusion would be to take those things to God instead of just kind of assuming he doesn't want that from us, right? Um, I don't know. How could he grow us? I know that he's grown me when I've done that. Um, so now let's look at God's response to their response, right? They, their response was, <laughs> but God's response isn't isn't really calling them out directly, right? He, it's, it's provision. It's, he says, I, I heard your grumbling. I heard your complaining. And I'm going to give you what you need. Um, and it says that in verse 9 um, that God asks them to come near to him. Even with those hard hearts. Even with those, you know, I need things a certain way. I only see this one way. He's calling them close to them, and he's saying, I know what you need, and I'm going to provide for you. Um, and so they could see, like, the literal presence of the Lord. So in Exodus, 
and throughout their years of wandering, he shows up in a lot of a couple different ways, but for, primarily in this like huge, I assume, I'm pretty sure it was huge, um, pillar of cloud. And there's also a pillar of fire at one point. But I think in this passage, it's, it's the cloud. That is what followed them and what led them when they were going through the sea, right? Through the Red Sea. And so they can see that just like when he, he kept them safe going through this impossible situation earlier. And so he's saying like, look, I'm still God. I'm the same God who took you through the sea and now I'm here in this new situation, but I'm still here. I'm still the same God. So he's present with them and then he gives them what they need um, in kind of a strange way, right? He gives them this bread from heaven. Um, they don't even know what it is. What is it? I think is what they named it. Um, and so it says it's sweet. It's like nothing they've ever had before. And it, and it seems to be filling, right? It's enough food for them. Um, and then there's also the quail situation, which I don't quite know how that worked. Just like dead quail showed up. I'm not really sure. Um, but the main point is God is providing the calories that they need, the nutrition that they need in order to get through their wilderness journey. So here's one thing I learned from this, from God's response. He's really, really patient and really kind. <laughs> like, they sinned. They were sinning in their hearts, right? But he is giving them a good gift. He is still saying, yeah, you have a need, and I'm going to meet it. Um, I also learned that God is teaching them, right? It says that he's, uh, he's testing them through this, which is really interesting. I think that's kind of a weird thing to think about. Um, but I was reading a commentary that was saying um, that he's doing this for their benefit. It's teaching it's, uh, it's not the kind of test where you have to prove yourself in order to get in a certain thing, right? Like, what is that? Like the SAT. It's not like the SAT where you have to get a certain, uh, certain number in order to get into the colleges that you want to, right? They've already gotten in, and now God is teaching them. Um, and then he's not just looking to fail them at their first failure. Like, he would have already had to do that if that was the case. But this is going to teach them that he's a good king, and he really can be trusted. Um, and then, okay, here's, here's something that's really interesting here. How much bread does he give them? He just gives them enough for one day, right? He doesn't, he doesn't give them, like, the Costco, like, you can go, like, <laughs> once a month and fill up. Um, and it didn't seem like that's what they were expecting because they tried to save it, and they were surprised when it went bad. So it seems like even in the days before refrigerators, they would have expected it to last a few days. So even the part of it going bad every night is part of God's provision. Um, he gives them exactly what they need for that day. And he's calling them to come back to him to fill their need because he knows that will, that will teach them who he is, that he's their provider, and that something about actively going out and gathering that and being a part of his provision is going to teach them even more. It's going to help them see that he is their God. So, okay. How does that apply to us? Um, we are not in a literal desert, even though I'm sad about pavement. Um, we live in the modern world. Like, we have a lot of access to all of these, these basic needs, right? Not only that, but we have access to a lot of other stuff, too, like the Internet and um, more clothing stores than we know what to do with um, and friendships and all of that. Yet, I think, I think we still know something about being hungry. Um, like I was talking about before, you know, when we call out to God, we're, we're craving something that is true and lasting. Um, 
maybe it's we want a relationship that won't fail us we want someone who won't walk out on us when we fail them um we want actual security we want peace whatever it is we're hungry for those things and i think that's part of being (laughs) in this world is there's going to be these things that we cannot fully get at right But when God provided this manna, he didn't just intend for it to meet the physical needs of the people. He also intended it for it to be a big picture. That's why we're reading about it, right? Because it means something more. It's a picture of the God who not only sends food to his people, but who comes to earth himself, right? It's Jesus of Nazareth to be the ultimate satisfaction that they need. And we read in John 6, John chapter 6, um, Jesus is teaching and he says, I am the living bread from heaven. And then he says, whoever comes to me will not hunger. He's calling back to this story. Um, He's referencing, saying that um, knowing him is what our hearts truly crave. And worshiping and serving Jesus is actually the way to have that full satisfaction and to be forgiven as well. Um, but what kind, of, what kind of God is he that we worship, right? He's not the kind of God who expects us to feed him. Unlike maybe the gods that the Israelites were used to um, being worshipped in Egypt. Or the gods that we often give our lives to, right? Those, those gods demand our time. They demand our money. They demand our anxiety, our hard work our affection, our love, our attention. They demand so much from us and from you, and then they don't actually deliver on their promises, right? They may deliver for a brief moment. You may get that, that satisfaction or that pleasure or whatever, but it's going to go away. It's not actually going to fill you up. But we see in the Lord's Supper and on the cross how Jesus gave himself for us. He feeds us. Right, so that we might know satisfaction in him. Um, And so that we will love and serve him in response. And and guys, Jesus is the full meal. Like he's he's complete. He's not the like, what are those Cheetos back there that kind of just make you feel worse after you eat them? Um, He is complete and full. He provides for our spiritual and our physical needs. He is someone that we can trust with our day to day. Um, and so I guess the question for you is just think about, you know, have you said Jesus is all that I need? Um, have you gotten to that point in your, in your heart of saying, like, Jesus plus nothing? Um, you know, like, have you really placed your life's hope in him? So if you have, if you've come to that moment, um, the sacrifice of his body on the cross and the punishment that he took for our sin we get to wake, because of that, we get to wake up every day and we get to say, all right, Lord, what do you have for me today? I trust you and I need you, right? We get to pray, like Jesus told us to pray, for our daily bread. Um, And that's not just physical things, although it includes physical things. It's also our heart, our mind, our our soul. Um, And I I know this is hard. (laughs) Um, I think our lives often feel like a desert Um, where we just don't have the energy to, like, even go to God. Um, And if you've talked to me recently, you might know that I'm feeling a little, a little, 
feel like a, a little bit of a desert right now and just a season of, of engagement and just feeling like, oh my gosh, so long. Um, it's really great. It's really great. Uh, and there's also just this feeling of like, dang, this is frustrating. There's a lot of things to, to learn and so many things to grow in um, and just a lot of waiting. And so whatever season you're in, um, join me <laughs> in waking up and saying, Lord, I need you in this right? I need to come to you in prayer through his word. Um, because the only reason we're going to, the only way we're going to have any, any ability to move forward is through spirit giving us, um, giving us that ability. And he does, he provides, he really does, even if it's hard. Um, so no matter what your season of life is, um, no matter what feels really hard and heavy to you right now, I just want to ask, have you considered that you know, Jesus wants you to come to him in that um, for provision expectantly. Um, that he delights to provide for you and give you that daily grace. So God provides through daily bread. God also provides in this passage and in our lives a pattern for work and rest. Um, so looking back at chapter 16, God has a way that he wants people to gather the daily bread, right? He has he says, go out in the morning and gather only what food each household needs. Don't save any over. And then when they do, it's like real gross. Um, and then gather twice as much in the sixth day and not to gather any in the seventh day, right? So do you guys remember how the people respond? There's kind of two, two things that happen. There's one group that I, I feel like are kind of like overworkers. This is just my own, my own imposition on the text. But <laughs> I feel like they had a little bit of a problem with overwork, right? They go out every day, and even though God says not to go out on the seventh day, they still go out on the seventh day. Like, ready to work. Let's go. Let's get some more stuff, right? <laughs> um, and so presumably they not only disobeyed what God said, but they also didn't get any food, right? Because there was nothing for them to pick up on the seventh day. So you have people who maybe struggle with overworking, and then you have people that maybe struggle with underworking, um, trying to gather extra on maybe the first or second day, thinking, well, you know, I don't have to go out and do that tomorrow if I have extra. Or, you know, it could be that they have this mindset of, like, scarcity, of, like, you never know if this is going to show up because maybe God's not actually telling the truth, so I'm just going to keep this for myself. Um, but God, God instituted this passion, pa- pattern for a reason. Like, it was not just random. And it actually brings us back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, when we, we see that God worked for six days, right? He created uh, different things, people, including people, for six days. And then he rested and enjoyed his creation on the seventh day. Um, and so God's asking them to rest because that is what he did when he created the world, to enjoy, to worship, to, for them, recuperate, right? But not only that, in verses uh, 28 and 29, God, when he talks about this role with Moses, he says that resting from work every day once, or every week once per week, was a commandment, for sure, but it was also a gift from God. I love that part of the passage. Also, side note, I think that a lot of God's commandments are gifts, so we maybe need to give that thought a little bit more, <laughs> more thought. Um, that God, God gives us commandments that are good, that are for our good. Um, but it's explicit in this text. And think about, like, who's receiving that. 
these people had maybe like a couple weeks or maybe a couple months ago been freed from slavery, right? And so do you think that they like ever got a day off like when they were enslaved? Like, do you think Pharaoh was ever like, you know what? You guys can have, you guys can have day, one day off per week um, or dignify them with like giving them rest. I think that I, I very much doubt it. I'll just put it that way because he was trying to just get things from them, right? But this shows me that God is a different kind of king, right? He governs out of love and he knows what's best for us, right? He created us so he actually knows what our bodies need, what our minds need. Um, and he doesn't call us to be slaves. Like, we aren't supposed to be slaves of anything, <laughs> of, of productivity, certainly not. Um, I think that's kind of how we define ourselves nowadays. Like, how was your week? Busy. I did a lot of stuff, yes. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of reducing us to maybe robots or machines if we, all we talk about is what we've done, right? And God is saying, no, you matter even if you don't do anything. <laughs> you matter even if you take a break. In fact, I want you to take a break. He calls us to be his children, right? We serve and follow him, but not out of fear, out of love. So when you look at your own heart, um, I'm wondering, do you see maybe a tendency to overwork, to maybe have a lot of anxiety about making sure that you get everything done? And maybe that leads to not trusting God, that he can work while you're resting. Or maybe you see a tendency more to underwork, of like avoiding what God is calling you to actually do and to work at. Um, I know for me, I often go between the two. If you guys were here a couple springs ago, we did a whole thing on work and rest. So go back and listen to them. Maybe you'll (laughs) get some more insight. But no matter where you're coming from on this, Remember that, I'm just going to get real, real Jesus-y right now, guys. Just remember, <laughs> we don't have to work to earn anything from God. Jesus has already done that work for us, right? Like, he has already justified us, and so um, we don't have to work in order to, or rest in order to earn anything from him. Um, and so he's the bread from heaven, and he's also... Uh, the perfect obedience for us, the perfect, he has the perfect work. Jesus' last words were, it is finished, right? Um, and so we, we don't have that pressure that the rest of the world has. If you are in Christ, you don't have that pressure to prove yourself to the world, to prove yourself to God. Um, we can take a deep breath and just lean into the fact that Jesus' perfect work of salvation on the cross gives us freedom to work well, yes, to work without anxiety, um, and to rest knowing that God is at work while we rest. So one practical application as we close is um, just thinking about work and rest. Like, how are you receiving or maybe not receiving this gift of rest that God gives us every week? Um, I know, it's really hard in college. I know. I've been in college. I've, I was in college once. Um, but think about, like, imagine and dream about how God might do big things by you stepping in and saying, yes, I trust you, Lord, that I don't have to do it all. (laughs) Um, I can take this gift of weekly rest in some way. Um, So how might God meet you in your spiritual life? How might he grow you that way? How might he give you body rest? (laughs) How might he um, 
I don't know what he's going to do. But, yeah, ask God. Well, I'll ask him with you if you want. Um, how are you providing for me to rest this week and next week and all that? All right, so we're wrapping up. If you remember nothing else in this passage, remember that God provides. Does God provide? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Does he? Does yes. he though? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, when life gets hard, and I know for a lot of you, life feels really hard right now, or it will later on in the semester, or it did earlier in the semester. Um, it's really easy to just turn away from God in our hearts in those moments. Um, and God knows that. And he still says, I'm going to provide for you. Um, God provides Jesus to atone for our sin. He provides the daily grace and strength to get through whatever is ahead of us. He provides for our work. He provides for our rest. Um, so Jesus said that his burden is light. And he said, come all who are heavy laden. And so, yeah, come to Jesus, whose mercies are new every morning. All right, let me pray for us. Lord God, um, thank you for this text. Thank you for the reminder that you, you care so deeply about us and you have so much power to save and to change our circumstances and also to change us in, us in the midst of our circumstances. I pray for um, everyone in this room, Lord, that you would give us, um, give us that assurance, help us to ask questions of you, bring our, our hurt to you and to each other, um, and help us to be encouraged and to really uh, lean into this, these gifts that you give us. And we praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.